Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Luck We Had a Shameless Recap podcast. We're so happy to be back. We're actually very ahead of schedule. We're recording this just after 307 came out. We're super ahead of schedule. Look at us. Even though we've all been through it lately. Yeah, we've all been oh going through rut. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. My name is Amanda, and we're here with our other two hosts, Evan and Lena. Hello, hello. Amanda went to the dentist today. <laughs> Amanda, yes, our recording was delayed by a few hours because I went to the dentist this morning and was stupid enough to think that I could record a podcast afterwards like my tongue wouldn't be twice the size it should be and I wouldn't be able to speak. The voice oh memory you sent so us of you just being like, I could not feel my tongue right now. <laughs> Evan's video came back and now it's like speed. It does that thing where it's like speed running everything oh you missed. <laughs> That happened to me last time we were recording too. I know. Well, now it's gone again. Okay, Damn. Yeah. That was really funny, though. <laughs> we are having technical difficulties. We Listen, are. we had, we got dentists. We got car crash. We got bad Wi-Fi. It's been <laughs> Mercury's in retrograde and everything is bad. Oh, my God. It's oh my God. being evil. Okay, now Evan's video is back for real. Okay, hey, guys. Yes. What's up? Hi, bestie. Hello. Good to see hey your guys. face. What's up, besties? We're here. We're back. Uh, and... We're here to discuss season three, episode eight of Supernatural. Not Supernatural. <laughs> we're here. We're here to discuss season three, episode eight of Shameless, because this is a shameless recap podcast. Man, you're getting ahead of yourself. You have too many podcasts. I got too many goddamn <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, we're dump- jumping into the back half of season three again. And this one is Where There's a Will. This is a really good episode this that really I, good episode. I always enjoy yeah. watching. Like everybody's working together. It's good old good old chaos. Good old scheming days. And like every everything in the back half of, half of season three feels like it's working towards something. Like everything feels important. So this episode aired on March 10th. 2013. It was written by Devi Holmes. I'm gonna go with Devi. D-E-V-E-Y. Devi. That sounds right. Devi sounds right. This is the first of seven episodes that Devi will end up writing. This one, episode 405, There's the Rub, and 410, Liver, I Hardly Know Her. 504, A Night to Remember. Wait, what? And 511, Drugs Actually. And 604, Going Once, Going Twice. And 609, A Yurt of One's Own. All amazing episodes, I have to say. Like, Liver, I hardly know her, is one of my favorite ones. Um, A Night to Remember What is so funny. Um, Drugs Drugs Actually is like the perfect penultimate episode for the season five finale. And Mm -hmm. then Going Once, Going Twice is all about the house. Love that episode. The the end scene in that one is really, really sad. And then A Yurt of One's Own, I think, is when Debbie is about to give birth. That's like... Oh my god, yeah. When she's at, like, the, like, camp or whatever. Yeah, like, obviously none of the big, like, hitter episodes that everybody thinks of, but, like, these are all super, super good ones, like, in my probably, They're like, strong top, episodes. They're strong episodes, probably in my top ten. Wait, Going Once, Going Twice is about the house? Is that when it uh, goes up for auction? Yes, when it gets foreclosed on by the bank. This guy loves writing about the fate of the Gallagher house, because that yep. is what this yep. episode's about. <laughs> yeah, when when they lose the house at the auction with Sean. Oh my god. But this guy's also written on shows like Get Shorty, which is fantastic, Pushing Daisies, Damages, Law and Order, the original series, and a million other things. Good for him. This episode was directed by a one-shot director, Danny Cannon. His one and only shameless directing moment. One-shot director, Danny Cannon. Hey. <laughs> However, 
just because this is the only shameless directing Danny does doesn't mean he never directed Cameron again, because he did direct Cameron on Gotham. He did 11 episodes of Gotham over the series run. Did they cross, well, did they cross over? I looked, one of, I think his first one was one of Cameron's, uh, I, I, the description has Cameron's character, like, in, uh, Arkham, so I think it was one of, or Jeremiah, because I know he ended up playing I think it was Jerome, yeah. Yeah. But he worked with Cameron on Gotham a bunch, so. The maniacs. (laughs) (laughs) Gotham is so stupid, and I love it so much. It's like Riverdale's older brother. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Evan's like, how dare you? (laughs) No, no, that's so funny you say that, though. But, like, yeah, I I tried to start it back when it, like, was a thing, and then I just couldn't get into it. And plus, like, I'm not the biggest DC person, so I also wasn't trying to learn about Batman. (laughs) Well, and it was like they killed off off Cameron's character, and everybody loved him so much, they were like, um, guess what? Guess what? He has a twin, and he's also crazy. (laughs) I mean, the best thing about Gotham is that Batman isn't in it. The little kid is Batman, right? Like, it's Bruce Wayne. But there's no Batman. Yeah. It's about the police commissioner, Commissioner Gordon. But he's, like, young and sexy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, he directed Cameron on Gotham. Everybody go watch Gotham. It's fantastic. It's so bad, and it's fantastic. So the synopsis of this episode, like I said, this episode's about the house. The family gathers for real agent. Sorry, my mouth is still partially numb. <laughs> if you need someone else to read. If you want us to take over, let us like, know. Like, that's fine. <laughs> I'll tag you guys in if I keep fucking up. Okay. Okay. The family gathers for real Aunt Ginger's fake funeral. Frank's cousin Patrick attends and the family conspires against him over Ginger's will. Kevin B. continue trying for a baby. That's what's happening in this episode. The previously on was done by Fiona and previously on the family needed a will for Aunt Ginger. So they had to get a whole ass dead body and like (laughs) declare her dead. So now there's going to be a funeral. Patrick Gallagher already filed a will for Ginger when the paramedic guy let out, let Patrick know that Aunt Ginger had just died. He ratted them out. Veronica's trying to get her mom knocked up by making Kevin her mom fuck. <laughs> Lip is being an asshole to Mandy. Jimmy is broke. Karen is back, but Jaime is with his dad now. And Fiona has been given custody of the kids. What a lot to go through. <laughs> a lot. A lot. And that's not even touching on the Ian and Mickey of it all. Literally. Well, I don't think they do much this episode. Or is this the- There's one There's one little moment. There's one little moment in this. So we get the title sequence, and then we go to Patrick giving Ginger a eulogy. He's holding, quote unquote, Ginger's ashes on the corner that Ginger worked up until her 60s, because Ginger was a sex worker, even into her 60s. Good for her. And Frank says, some say Gallagher's don't have a work ethic, but Ginger worked this corner rain, sleet, and snow. Well, yeah, because Frank is the only one who knows that she's been dead. Like, the rest of the family didn't know. They just assumed they were living in the house with her. Yeah. So, because nobody wants to go visit Frank. He's an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, and plus I feel like Ginger wasn't even, like, that big of a deal for them to be like, oh my god, let's go visit Aunt Ginger. Go visit Aunt Ginger. They're just like, oh, that bitch owns her own house. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So Patrick dumps Ginger's ashes down the gutter of the corner where they're standing and and the whole like funeral crowd disperses. But Fiona confronts him about the will that just magically appeared that was signed last year. He's like, yeah, I went with her. She got it notarized. She's like, oh, did you? Did you really? Because they all know they're scheming. Yeah, Fiona and Lip confront him about it because apparently Fiona and Lip still haven't told the rest of the kids that Patrick owns the house now. I think the people that go up to like intimidate him are like, 
isn't it like Fiona, Lip, Jimmy, and then like maybe Ian is like hanging out in the background? Or yeah, something? maybe. Yeah, and they're like they all got their arms crossed and they're like, "Well, doesn't she's like she's like six kids, nowhere to go?" And he's like, "So, yeah." And what about <laughs> <Don't> it? <care. laughs> Not my problem. Over at the balls, this fucked up scenario. Veronica's mom has shown up, all dressed up. She did her makeup. She did her hair. She's all dressed up. She looks nice, wearing fuck me pumps for her night with Kev. And Kev says to V. I'm going to block everything out and picture you. And V's mom says she pictures Denzel Washington. The way she, like, she, the way she performs that line is so funny. She's, like, tr- like trotting up the stairs. She's like, I imagine Denzel Washington. <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny because, like, obviously she's not supposed to be eavesdropping and interrupting their conversation. But she's like, I'm making my presence known. And yeah. that's irritating them even more. And I feel like from the get-go, um... Like, it was so weird with the whole, like, V, Kevin, mom situation. And then she was more, like, it was weird because it seemed like it was a complete switch because she was so against it. And then this whole episode, it's her titties out ready. (laughs) Well, they have a confrontation about, she's like, I I feel like I never see you anymore, Veronica. I like to be needed by you. But it's like, well, also maybe you did, like, screwing Kevin a little bit. Yeah, she liked it a little more than necessary, which is, like, understandable. But at the same time... It's like you're you're showing up to their house all giddied up. Yeah, like at least try to hide it better. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. She's so funny. But yeah, that one scene where they're like basically having a threesome is like lives in my brain in an evil way. Yeah. <laughs> At the Gallagher house, Frank is being an asshole about the family losing the house. He's got like a cutoff flannel buttoned up with a tie on and that's like his fancy funeral outfit. And Lip says that Patrick is going to take the house, slap a coat of paint on it, and sell it to yuppies. Just flip it. Interesting. An interesting concept that they've introduced just then. (laughs) I know, and then they build so much on it. In season five, they're like, this season's about gentrification, actually. And then the rest of the season's following, for sure. (laughs) And I'm sure that was like a big thing happening, but it's like, dang, they really planted that seed. Right now, the Gallaghers strategize about how to get the house back from Patrick. They go, number one. We can't call the cops about the fake will because we also faked her will and her death. <laughs> we could try to argue that Ginger was not of sound mind when she signed the will. We can try to talk Patrick into giving them the house or they could kill him. I love this because it's like Debbie has this all written down just like on a little piece of paper and she's just going down the list because they've all been brainstorming around the... She's like, number four, kill Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> So Frank tries to get the kids. He's like, you know what we can do? We can just strip all the copper pipes out of the walls and sell them for money. And Fiona's like, hey, Frank, shut the fuck up and go away. And they all, she's like, you know what? We don't have time for this right now. Every, kids, you got to get your back to school outfits ready. You start school again tomorrow. So I guess it's like September now. And Lip is supposed to pursue a legal route for them to get the house back. Upstairs, Fiona goes up and in the classifieds looking for jobs. And she's like, we have no backup plan. I And she says this to Jimmy. I have no rich mommy or daddy to run to. Ooh, I see. Neither does he now. <laughs> and she's like, and you and I don't have jobs. I just got these kids back and they're about to be homeless. And that's when Jimmy says, Gallagher's are survivors. We can do this. And Fiona goes, we? We? Beef. Beef. Lip is in his room doing research on the law. And Mandy offers to blow him. While he's working, which he gladly accepts, but Ian knocks on the door and interrupts to talk about a private matter. <laughs> okay, it's so cute. He knocks on the door and he goes, Elle, can we talk? Ah! 
That's sweet. That was sweet. It's really cute. And then the private matter turns out to be Karen. Lip goes outside to meet Karen under the L. Nasty. And she says, Ian had me wait out here. I don't think he likes me anymore. And Lip's like, did he ever like you? <laughs> nope. And she's got like, she puts on sweet, innocent face through this whole episode. She got an Eiffel Tower tattoo on her arm, I guess, over the word whore. It's the ugliest tattoo ever. <laughs> yeah, but it so was bad. probably just to cover up her whore tattoo. tattoo. Yeah. But it also wouldn't. Like, the way it's laid out on her arm, I'm like, that wouldn't have covered up the the way that whore was on her arm. She had some really good tattoo artists who did a <laughs> lot of planning. <laughs> but she said she got it because a guy told her he would take her to Paris, but instead he tried to sell her and take all of her money. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's funny. <laughs> And she asks if Lip is happy with Mandy, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'm happy. Like, in a completely convincing, totally realistic way. And Karen's like, good, you deserve to be happy. But, like, she's so, she's got her manipulator face on. Like, Karen is evil, evil in this episode. The way she's just, like, saying all the lines, it's just like, "Mm, there's some some sneakiness behind all of your words. Yeah, like, she's playing too innocent. Yeah. Because she used to be such, like, She's playing too nice, too innocent. It's just, like, uncomfortable to watch your words. Yeah. Meanwhile, Debbie and her raspy little puberty voice. (laughs) She's helping Jimmy look through job listings and he learns what a poverty wage is. Like, yeah, Jimmy, minimum wage is garbage. But welcome to the world. Wasn't he like saying like, oh, yeah, like 20 hours an hour, like 20, I mean, 20 duck bucks an hour or something. And she's like, no. Debbie says uh, that somebody she knows is a barista. She makes $20,000. And he goes, a month? Oh, yeah. And she's like, a year. Like a year? How do people live on that? And like, they don't, Jimmy. They don't. they don't. Yeah, they have multiple jobs. That's how. Talk to your girlfriend. Then Fiona comes downstairs with a septic, cl- with a septic tank cleanup job for them both. And Jimmy, frankly, looks terrified and fiona just looks happy about the hourly wage i'm sorry but i would also not want to do that job yeah fiona is like she's hardened for that one like girl boss but i'm not a girl boss i couldn't do that (laughs) wait okay so in in girl boss gaslight gatekeep manipulate mansplain male wife which one where do you guys fall Hmm. i'm no i i'm curious well because my friends and i all agreed that i fall under mansplain I have such a problem with mansplaining. I'm like, I do it all the time. I can see that. I can Not see even that. on purpose. I'm genuinely like cannot sense sarcasm. And so people will like be like, blah, 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 like making some joke about how they don't understand something. I'll be like, oh, you don't get that? Like, like, here's like, here's what it is. And they'll be like, no, you fucking idiot. Do you think I'm stupid? And I'm like, no, <laughs> but I just didn't know that you didn't know. <laughs> what are the... I know the first three. What are the other ones? I didn't, I didn't, I Manipulate, mansplain, male wife. I think I'm male wife. Male wife. <laughs> oh, you're totally male I'm wife. Yeah, you're definitely male wife. Male wife. <laughs> I think Amanda's a girl boss. I think Amanda's a girl boss. No, Amanda's gatekeeping. No, Amanda's gatekeep. Yeah. Amanda's gatekeep. <laughs> Am I gatekeep? <laughs> Amanda, you're 100% gatekeep. Oh, no. But in the best way know. possible. <laughs> I do block with a quickness. Yep. I block with a quickness. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of my, I just posted a video on Tom, on TikTok that, like, fucking exploded. It is, like, 600,000 views oh right God. now. Uh, about, like, the Comic-Con panel of when someone criticizes Charlie's death and the whole cast turns around. Oh, when they're like, why did you kill her and dump her in a bathtub? <gasps> I And they're all just, like, like, sitting there and they, like, look at the writers and they're like, 
Good question. But literally every single man that says something I even mildly don't like is deleted and blocked. Like 100% immediately. I, with With a fucking quickness. Gay yes. <laughs> so anyway. Anyways. At the Jacksons. Uh, over with Gaslight. That is Karen. <laughs> at the Jacksons. Manipulate no, she's manipulate. And she's manipulate. No, she's not, <laughs> she's not Gaslight. She got Gaslit by mm. Eddie. She is she's- gaslighting the hell out of Lip in this episode. How? What'd she say? She's definitely manipulating him, for sure. But Gaslight, like, she's not being like, oh, like, you're lying. Or like, oh, that didn't happen, actually. Did your friends tell you that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a really big word, Lip. (laughs) So at the Jacksons, Karen and Sheila are taking apart Jaime's crib and carrying it downstairs so Karen can move back into the room. And Sheila tells Karen that Mrs. Wong can bring Jaime by whenever now that Karen's back and they can have Jaime over way more often now that his mom is here. And Sheila's like, I can even take Karen even says she was like, I want to see him, but I need a little bit more time. I'm like, do you Mm -hmm. do you? And Sheila offers to take Karen to a support group for families who have children with Down syndrome. Oh, Sheila. And and Jody makes dinner, but he only he only sets three places. And Karen's like, okay, cool. And she comes over and she's not wearing pants. She's just wearing like a big t-shirt. And he turns around and he's like, you have to go put pants on. I'm in recovery. I'm hypersensitive. Go put pants on. I'm like, I love you, Jody. I love Jody. He's so cute about it. And she's like, okay. But he only sets three plates for dinner. And Frank is there. Frank's like, you need to set another place for Karen. And Jody and Sheila have an eye, an eye contact conversation. Of like, oh, you need to explain to him that he needs to leave now. Mm. Bye, Frank. Frank is super pissed about it, and he begs to stay. But Sheila tells him, I'm sorry, get the fuck out. You have to get out now. The next morning at the Gallagher's, it's time for school, and Veronica offers to watch Liam for the day. And it's actually very cute. Like, later on, Liam's just kind of, like, perched on V's side, and it's Mm -hmm. adorable. And Debbie comes down in an inappropriate outfit for her age, and Fiona's like, uh, go change. And she's- and Mandy's- And Debbie says, I borrowed it from Mandy, which Ian's like, well, that's clear. And Ian is allowed to tease Mandy because mm-hmm. Ian actually loves Mandy. Isn't Mandy in the scene? Yeah, she, she, hits, she, hits, she hits him on the shoulder and he starts laughing. And then, um, well, because they're like, it's middle school, not stripper school. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ian is allowed to make fun of Mandy, but when Fiona's like, it's, she's going to middle school, not stripper school, I'm like, actually, Fiona, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't wear that stuff, too. Because it's like, that outfit, like, looking at it again, it's like, that outfit is appropriate, ra- more appropriate for a 17-year-old. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, like, Mandy is not, like, dressing in a super, I don't know, whatever. But Mandy even says, she's like, like, you never wore a short skirt, Fiona. Like, fuck off. Yeah, literally fucking Craig Heisner, 2006 Diary Fiona. We're talking about the same girl? First date Fiona who puts out in the Wendy's drive-thru and that happened twice. Oh my god. We can't be talking about the same Fiona. (laughs) Uh, So then we get, we actually get the, see, I feel like this makes me a hypocrite because we get the iconic line of uh, V going, so is Lip getting serious about Mandy Skankovich? And then she <laughs> sees that Mandy heard her and she goes, oh shit, Mandy, I'm sorry. You know I never would have said that to your face. And then should I apologize or leave? I'm gonna leave. And I feel like <laughs> the fact that she felt shame that Mandy heard her criticism made me not as angry. That's about why v. it's funny because like, it's like she was talking shit behind her back. That's why it's funny because it's like, she's like, oh, I'm gonna leave now. Like, the reason why Fiona's is, like, evil is because she literally says to her face, she's like, you're a whore. Yeah. And it's like, you 
a 23-year-old woman are talking to a 17-year-old girl who honestly does not dress that much more scandalously than you probably did at the time. Like, I don't know. Oh my god, V just on an average day, like, even though age is, like, a factor in the thing. I'm like, V, you, you're also like, hey. I think it's just because the Milkovichs have a reputation. Yeah. Yeah. But then meanwhile, Patrick storms his way into the house with his kids to assess the repairs he has to make. And then he says there's a hearing about the will on Thursday. And then he's going to need all of the Gallaghers out of the house by Saturday. God damn. He's moving fast. Over, over at the support group Sheila mentioned, Jody, Sheila, and Karen are all there. And Jody is drinking a juice box because mm-hmm. we love him. And then someone with Down syndrome actually stands up and says that he wants to reclaim the R word. And the woman heading the meeting, who is not someone with Down syndrome, says the word is offensive. And like, I agree with the basic premise of this idea, the story that the episode was laying out. Like people from a community taking a word that offended them before and reclaiming it as their own is an incredibly valid thing to do. Yeah. But then this... This episode fucking shamelessed it up. Yeah, like they had, it was like the good intentions at the beginning, but then they add that shameless charm that just makes it even worse than the, at the beginning. I don't think they had good intentions. I don't, I don't think they had good intentions, but, but for some reason the concept is like, oh, well that does make sense actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where it plays in. Like I do know like, like neurodivergent people, like uh, people on the autism spectrum will like, use that word like and they'll just be like oh but only like referring to themselves like it's funny and like i know i've reclaimed certain words like queer community and jewish community it's like i've reclaimed some of those words yeah they even mentioned uh queer people in this in this scene they even mentioned they're like well queer people took back the word queer and then the white guy says the n-word and the one black guy in the room is like you can't say that you still can't say that yeah he was like shut the fuck up you can't say it i can't yeah he turns right around (laughs) And the the one guy with Down syndrome says normies do not get a say, and that's what he's that. referring to as non <laughs> non people without Down syndrome as normies. I, and Jody is explaining that to somebody. He's like, I think normie is just somebody without Down syndrome. And the guy talking turns around. And he's like, Hey, Fabio, could you quiet down? And Jody's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, love him. But Sheila and Jody volunteer to help the group that wants to reclaim the word. And again, their intentions are good then it and then it goes off the rails well not just that but it's like it does i don't know i feel like when you're not a part of that community you can't be like oh i'm helping you in your campaign to reclaim this word i feel like you just got to be like right on like go do your thing <laughs> like yeah. over at the septic tank job fiona is bringing jimmy in and she's ready to work but jimmy is a huge pussy especially when the boss is like oh you should duct tape your gloves because there's like there's gonna be roaches and stuff running around you don't want them to get in your suits you should duct tape your gloves shut and he looks terrified and fiona looks like it's another fucking tuesday because this is just what she does yeah and like the job is like it's like a slaughterhouse that had like a backed up septic tank and so it's just like got like overflowed yeah gross dead meat and flies uh very saw four of them literally (laughs) and then in aa frank gets his court slip signed and then he runs into another alcoholic who congratulates frank on two years sober and frank says all the other people in the group are lightweight alcoholics like like that woman that blacked out for one hour i blacked out for a year once he's like these people are fucking pussies (laughs) and the alcoholic introduces himself as Christopher and asks Frank to be his sponsor. Oh, I love Christopher. 
And um, this guy says that his old sponsor moved out. He moved to Florida. Yeah. Frank misses that and goes like, no, sorry, I'm not anybody's sponsor. And then he goes to leave and then his brain buffers and catches up. He's like, wait, did you say your old sponsor moved out? And then there's a, ro- there's a room in which your old sponsor stayed and mm-hmm. I could then stay there. Mm-hmm. And Frank's like, I'm sorry, how rude. My name's Frank. Nice to meet you. And then back of the job. Jimmy freaks out and literally runs out of the room, ripping his suit off, like swatting the bugs off of himself. He's like slipping and falling in the puddle thing. And it's so funny. Yeah, but it's like, or because it like gets in his mouth or something. But it's like, honestly, if that was me, like, and there were bugs crawling around in my suit, I'd I would be like, okay, I'm out. out. Actually, I would, no, like, I would be the same way. I'm just saying compared to his girlfriend. Oh yeah, girl boss. Well, maybe if he hadn't fallen in and, and gotten it in his mouth, he wouldn't have had bugs in his suit so yep exactly and then over at kevin v's house kevin v are having sex but before kev finishes v calls in her mom who then basically asks kev to go down on her and v is like uh no fucking no i understand that that's honestly like especially with how they've been doing it so far i even in that situation i'd be like no no they're already like not making eye contact or seeing each other while they're doing it like the fact that she wants him to go nose deep no thank you (laughs) well because like earlier they were like oh this is clinical like this is just for like this is just to like have a baby like insemination but then that is like that's like that's not clinical yeah no and then she also was like yeah like uh you're more likely to conceive if you have an orgasm and they're like no (laughs) <laughs> don't well, matter maybe you, sh- maybe you should have warmed yourself up yeah fucking come like, on get out carol <laughs> <laughs> over to the gallagher's fiona comes home from work and jimmy apologizes for bailing but says he got a job at a coffee shop part-time and fiona is not impressed wow i can't believe jimmy kins me i wouldn't be impressed either i work at a coffee shop part-time. yeah forget i work at a coffee shop you're not special jimmy fuck off i work at a part- coffee shop part-time it is like it's honestly not that hard of a job compared to septic tank cleanup i'd be disappointed <laughs> in my boyfriend too yeah like later in the episode when you see him working and stuff like that watching him steam that milk has never made me so mad as a barista dude he like burned himself and i was like what on what it's not on what <laughs> it's not that hard I mean, I know Starbucks has, like, the different wands or whatever, but it's, like, even the ones that you have to twist, it's, like, and then they're, like, you burnt the milk. It's, like, there is a thermometer in the cup. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's that you're supposed to watch while you're steaming the milk. How did you burn it? I don't know. I hate people. I hate Jimmy. (laughs) In the kitchen, the council of the Patrick problem has reconvened, and they're on to option three, convince Patrick to back off. Don't ask how much, uh... Because Mandy says that her brothers can go around and scare Patrick. And Fiona's like, how much? And they're like, they'll do it for a friends and family discount. Just $200. And that sounds fair to me. So Fiona agrees. She's like, I'm going to go upstairs and rub the blood and shit out from under my fingernails. And try not to think about the fact that I just ordered a hit on a relative. While everybody like empties their pockets onto the table. That line is so funny. I think it's nice that Mickey agreed to do it for them. I have a whole thing I know about you that. talk about it later. I know we're going to talk about it later. I also forgot... That I did want to talk about Lip and his mommy issues, but uh, I think... We can bring that up in the Lip Karen moment later. Well, and there's also a Lip Fiona moment that I think is really important with that too. Yeah. So before we get to any of that, we go to Sheila's. Frank introduces Sheila to his new sponsee that he is moving in with. And Sheila is a little confused, but she's like, oh, but he's leaving? You're taking him and he's leaving? Cool. I don't fucking care. Mm -hmm. Nice to meet you. (laughs) 
Karen says she wanted to be participating in the group that Sheila volunteered her for because the group is offensive. And Frank, sing Frank thinks that the shirts that say, I am a, and like with the R word on it, and proud on the back, he thinks they're hilarious and he takes one and he wears it for the rest of the episode. Later in the night, Fiona goes over to Kevin V's house and walks in on Kev fucking V's mom while V is in the bed as well. And it's a whole <laughs> I moment. love that. Like she like covers her eyes. And she covers her eyes and just leaves. She's like, she's like, oh. She like turns to leave and then turns back around and looks and then covers her eyes again and then leaves. Because <laughs> she's got like a box of wine or something. Like she was just going to drink with V because she was like, I'm freaking out. Oh yeah, because her and V were like supposed to have like a little like get together that night. A little girl time. And then she was like, she was just like, oh, uh, 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 and she just leaves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So let's take a second to talk about Mickey. Because let's, rem let's remember that Mickey is still suffering and being forced to be in the same house as the man who had him raped. Probably also with Svetlana, the woman who assaulted him. And he can't even speak to Ian or look him in the eyes. However, Mandy asked him to help save the Gallagher house and he agreed to do it at a discounted rate. The man can't even look Ian in the face, but he willingly goes over to Patrick Gallagher's house and tries to threaten him to back off the Gallaghers and leave their house alone so that Ian doesn't lose his house. And in the process, Mickey loses his gold chain. <laughs> he loses the gold chain the uh, one the and chain. only time. Why did he never wear a chain again? Because he got it stolen. No, he got no, because they paid him back for it. They were like yeah, you're getting a refund since it didn't work, minus 100 because he took a chain off Mickey. So, like, oh, that true, implies true, true. that Mickey was like, oh, I'm going to go buy myself a new chain. It's like, <laughs> why didn't he ever wear it? <laughs> Lynn. Lynn Paolo and costuming gets an A-plus for this episode. This Mickey look is and will was and will always be iconic. Well, I got beef with it. I got beef with Lynn because it never came back. Uh, yes, true facts. But the next morning, Patrick is taking the toilets out of the house and leaves the old one in the living room. And Mandy says that Mickey is in fact going to give back the money that the Gallagher's paid, minus $100 to cover the cost of the chain, which honestly sounds fair to me. My whole thing is, what was the whole ploy of putting the toilet in the middle of the living room? Because they made such a big deal about it. Well, it's Patrick is replacing the toilet and he's just being half-assed about it and just putting the old one in the living room while he works on the one upstairs. This, but I'm surprised they never move it at all. Oh, well, I mean, technically, like, Patrick would be like, oh, this is my house. True. But also True. it's like, I don't know, like, they can't put it anywhere. I, I don't think they want to throw it away because they're like, well, if we get the house back, we're going to need a toilet. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Jimmy tries to, like, while all of that madness is happening and they're still trying to figure out a way to save the house, Jimmy is trying to get attention from Fiona and praise for going to work. He's like, bye, honey, I'm going to work. Bye, honey, I'm going. Yeah, you fucking better be going to work. But yeah, it's like go, literally leave. all she asked you to ever yeah, do. Yeah, it's is like, oh, you're, uh, oh, you're going to work. Really awesome. Okay. You and cool, the 15-year-old that manages you. Like, I don't know. Good job, Jimmy. I also want to bring up at this moment, like, let's not pretend that, like, if the Gallaghers got kicked out of the house and had nowhere to go, let's not pretend, like, Sheila or V would let them sleep on the street. Like, Sheila would take in Carl, Debbie, and Liam in one hot second. She well, because they would be the like, house. they would be like, for the kids. And she would be like, oh my god, for the kids. For the kids. <laughs> She'd be like, ah, oh, for the kids. Like, maybe she wouldn't take them all, but she would take, she would take Carl, Debbie, and Liam in, in one oh second. Lip would stay with Mandy, and then probably, like, Ian and Fiona would stay on the couch in V's house. 
Yeah. So Lip tries to comfort Fiona and tells her, like, you might be the legal guardian, but this is not all on you. And, like, he's, he's still very much her rock in this moment, like he always has been, which is really nice. It's such a nice moment because he's like, don't feel like this is all your fault. He was like, we're all going through this and we're all going to fix this together. Well, okay. So this is what I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, Going back to the conversation in the last episode where we talked about how Lip saw Fiona as a sister, not as a guardian. So there is what some people might I, like I saw a TikTok about this and I thought it was really interesting and I'm I'm very sorry that I don't remember who posted it. But there's a theory that before the kids kind of like grew up and became like teenagers, Lip was actually Monica's favorite because there's a throwaway line the first time she comes back where she like says something about Lip like I don't know what about her, blah, 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 Lip and then Fiona's like Oh, that makes sense. Like, he was always your favorite. And oh, damn. so it's like people think, and also because he looks, because everybody says that he looks the most like Frank and acts the most like Frank. So it's like, of course, Monica would dote mm-hmm. on him. That when she was around when they were young, she cared for Lip in a way that she didn't care for the other kids. And so he actually did kind of consider her a mother at some point. And so that is one of the reasons why, A, he has such bad mommy issues. And B, he doesn't see Fiona as a mother because she never was his quote unquote mother. He sees her as an older protective sister. Mm -hmm. Because he and Fiona probably were the only ones who had the most of the quote unquote childhood probably between all of them that would have been able to still have that distinguished mother figure, father figure, older sister, middle brother, and then younger brother, because Ian was a baby still. And then obviously when when Ian started growing up and like and like having kind of you know, like bipolar or tinklings, like like mm-hmm. his manic episodes and stuff like that. And Monica was like okay i see you but like even before that i think it was it probably like the shift happened around because the first time she comes back lip is like wants nothing to do with her mm-hmm. but the other kids kind of like almost take her back in a little bit and even ian like when they find out that or that he's not frank's at this point monica hates frank so much that she's like okay ian's my favorite kid now actually mm-hmm. and then especially as the series goes on with like the whole his bipolar and stuff she has another reason to be like oh my god you're just like me you're my favorite kid because we have so much in common it's always me and you against the world yeah i mean she also always had like a soft spot for debbie too so because her little girl because fiona's still a grown woman debbie's still a little girl yeah so i don't know makes really makes you think about lip and his mommy issues makes you think also it's like it's also like maybe that's why then this is such a weird freudian thing to say Maybe that's why he attached on to Karen so hard, because she kind of looked like Monica. Ooh. Ooh. I think Frank at one point even says that Karen reminds him of Monica. Yeah, and she's like mean too. Yeah. So meanwhile, Fiona goes upstairs. She tries to make nice with Patrick, but he she, gets like, gives her him a cup of coffee. <laughs> she like playing all sweet, and he's like, "You sent two Milkoviches to my house to kill me. So what are you? What are you playing all nice about?" And she's like, "If." you keep the house can we rent it from you and he's like yeah for like fifteen hundred dollars a month and she's like get the fuck out of here over at the alibi veronica has liam sitting on her lap because she's watching him and she says that her mom is treating all these times with kev like they're a date and it's freaking v the fuck out and she's like kev are you not freaking the fuck out about this and he's like 
yeah, I 100% am, but I'm trying not to think about it so that I can get through it. You know, like a pro athlete. Yeah, like, my one thing, like, with this whole, their whole situation is, like, even though we did hear how Kev felt, like, a lot of the time, it seemed like Kevin wasn't the main, like, factor. And, like, hey, you good? I'm like, he's the one who's been doing all the work. He's the one who has to do all the manpower for the situation. And he's like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Well, that's the thing is, it's also like, like, he wants it too. there's no, well, there's no, this is like so weird. And it's like, obviously biology, but it's like, there is no requirement for Carol to have an orgasm in order for them to conceive. Kev mm-hmm. has to. Yeah. He has to be brought to climax. It's weird for him. <laughs> like, it's so weird for him. He's already done it. Like, how many times at this point? I don't like, know. They've done this probably like six times now. Something like I that. I would be tuckered out. I'd be like, no more. Mm-hmm. No more. No more. So, um, virtual hands up here. Who thought that Jimmy would be good at being a barista? No one raised their Every hands. hand is down. Every single hand is down. He is so uncoordinated. He's like multitasking in the worst way possible. He's like burning himself on. He's every not way. even sequencing his. He's not even he's, sequencing. He's not even sequencing his drinks. <laughs> <laughs> he's not walking away while his milk steams so he can go put syrup in his cup. Um, he cued his shots before he cued, He started steaming his milk. He uh, is a rookie. I mean, I know he's being <laughs> trained right now, but it's like dude you can't you just can't do that like genuinely like being a barista is hard to the extent but you need to learn one drink and then you know every drink well but it's like the barista thing that you and i did obviously it might be different now because i'm sure you guys have the actual like espresso machine i have an actual espresso machine that i have to do the whole like grounding pushing yeah basically like at at barnux it's like essentially fast food yeah basically so the goal is to go as fast as possible. I don't know. Uh, Jimmy being bad barista and Nando just laughing at him the entire time. Perfect scene. That should have been the entire show. Oh yeah, Nando. Nando's there and following him around. But but Jimmy's like, are you not? You're gonna follow me to work, but you can't give me a ride. Nando's like, yeah, no, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if it's later in this episode. I think it might be. But when he's like the main like shift supervisor or whatever, he's like, yeah, I keep on giving your boyfriend free lattes. <laughs> he's like he's not my boyfriend he was like he's not he's not with me so one of jimmy's old classmates from med school walks in while he's working his shift at the coffee place and jimmy is super painfully awkward about it and the guy's like you're you're working here and jimmy's like oh yeah you have to prove that you can run one of their stores before they'll let you buy one of the one of the franchises that's what's happening here I was like, you're stupid. I hate him. <laughs> the stupidest excuse ever. So his friend invites him to dinner with their old friends from med school. And Jimmy like tries to get out of it. But then he gives him like a solid maybe. And then the guy's cool. So I'll take an Americano. Like <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll get a triple latte. Uh, yeah. I'm fat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Lip and Fiona are house shopping. And I honestly think that the house they walk into is the Milkovich house interior set with like minor cosmetics changes that's what i because the layout is like exact the layout of the house is exactly the same it just looks like all the shit's gone and i'm like and i'm like oh like when they did that when they were looking at that place and they were taking pictures i was like that's just the milkovich house actually 
That's so funny. I'll have to go back and see because I didn't I didn't recognize that. You do. Like it's it's glaringly obvious. And it's like, of course, I wouldn't expect them to build an entirely new set for like a for like a random throwaway scene, but it's like, well I'm just thinking about it now and I definitely I can like I remember just shot just of them in the living room. And I definitely that's literally I can see the TV in the corner in my head and the couch. Well it's like no 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 it's like because I think the house is like totally empty, but it's like the windows and then there's like a abandoned stuff just kind of yeah and the doors on the right side the doors right? on the right yep yep like it straight up looks like the milkovich house with that they like threw a wall up on the one side to make it not look like the milkovich house. yeah it's like you could argue that like set design like or that like houses in that area were all built at the same time like government housing or whatever so like of course they all look similar but also what did they have available on the lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. But over at the actual Gallagher house, Patrick is throwing up in the street while Carl, like, watches from the at window the wi- in the it's, living room. It's so creepy. He's literally just like- He's like, he's like, I'm looking. <laughs> I am looking. <laughs> v walks past it and into the house and asks what the fuck is going on. And Carl describes all of the symptoms that Patrick is currently experiencing. He was like, nausea, vomiting, headache. And possible death. (laughs) From the back of the rat poison box. And then they do like a flashback of him dumping the poison on the sandwich. Um, Patrick, did you not see all the blue bright crystals in the middle of your sandwich? Did you not realize that your sandwich was a little bit crunchier? You know what that reminded me of is that scene that scene in Little Rascals when they put this the kitty litter in the PB and J sandwiches and they're just like crunching. Have you guys not seen that movie? Not in a really, really, really long time. Probably since I was, like, in single digits of age. <laughs> they, like, pretend- they're, like, supposed- they're, like, trying to sabotage, like, the- they're trying to sabotage, like, the little kid's date, and they put, like, uh, sand in their sandwich, and then they're, like, eating it, and they're like, mmm, you make a great- a great sandwich, super uh, crunchy, and they're like- that, and then the one little kid, he's like, that's not sand, it was kitty litter. Oh my god. But also, Patrick, the watching Lip, I mean, not Lip, fucking Carl dump that stuff on there. They're bright blue crystals. It was, like, all over the plate, too. I was like, homeboy just did not care. He just didn't pay attention. He was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm too lazy to make another sandwich. He probably thought he put some, like, potato chips on his sandwich. That was the crunch. Mm, Maybe. But, so, Carl poisoned Patrick. And we (laughs) love him for it. He's using his evil little sociopathic powers for good. And Sheila, over at Sheila's house, Sheila, she means she means well. She's got a good heart, but um, setting up this stand with the R word just on it, screaming it outside of a grocery store, not the look. Not the look, Sheila. And, like, I stand by what I said about communities reclaiming words that used to oppress them, but, like, Shameless just went and did this with it. No, yeah, you're having two, like, neurotypical people sitting at a booth with that word yeah i don't think they had i don't think they had anybody with down syndrome there i think they just like sent them over there yeah no it was just sheila and jody i think no it wasn't jody it was some random person but it was like but i'm just like also she tried to like argue with the guy for kicking her out it's like well it's his store you can do whatever he wants anyway he could kick you out for no good reason like just leave like go to a different store but yeah, her heart's in the right place, but yeah. And then we go over to Frank's new digs, and this guy, Christopher, giving off major serial killer vibes, and he put his job, he puts pets down for a living, and some of them he taxidermies. 
you know, like a serial killer. Um, do we know what else this guy has been in? Because I feel like I recognize him. He's a character actor. You've seen him in everything. Hold on, please pause. His name is Christian Clemenson. Oh my god, he, oh my god, he was in The Big Lebowski. That's what I recognize him from. Oh yeah, The Big Lebowski. He's a bit actor, he's a character actor in everything. Like, he's been on Law and & Order and 911 and Lifeline and The Good Doctor. And American Crime Story. He's a character actor. He was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy where he uh, purposefully ingested worms so that he could study them. And when huh. they had to get them out of his body, he was like super upset about it. Oh, he's Abel Kuntz from Veronica Mars. He's like a he's like a big bad guy in Veronica Mars. Uh, Balthazar and Buffy. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he's in he's in everything. But like he is he also specializes in giving off serial killer vibes. And even Frank is like a little bit creeped out by him. But Christopher feeds Frank meatball sandwiches and puts on the game and gives him a free place to stay so frank looks looks past it i would i love a meatball sub and then back to the gallagher's jimmy is home from work with a newfound appreciation for baristas and i agree let's hear it for baristas uh thanks jimmy thank you so much jimmy Jimmy be like i see you jimmy be like i see you i see you and we're like (laughs) oh my god oh my god stop thank you so much it's so nice to be seen that's it's so great that jimmy sees me because i had so many people yell at me today yes general rules about being about being around your barista be nice keep your order fucking simple stop substituting everything Wear your mask mm-hmm. in the drive-through and fucking tip them. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Amanda, the Thanks, Amanda. customer service uh, spokesperson. <laughs> so true. Like I told my friends, I now know so many people that work at Starbucks. I'm like, I am never ordering anything that's complicated ever, ever again. No, no, never. You can just live curiously through us. If you if you substitute the milk, if you add syrup, whatever, I'm like, I don't care. But when you add freaking cold foam to everything, natural selection is coming for you. If you ask me to add something after I hand it to you, that's when I have a problem. If I'm already making it and you forgot three things you were supposed to order at the counter, that's yes. when I have a problem with yep. you. But back in the Gallagher kitchen, the whole family thinks Carl may have killed Patrick. Because he put Pat he put rat poison on Patrick's sandwich. And Carl's like, option four, kill Patrick. Why skip an option? <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> He's right. They did say that. That was an option. And Fiona, like, gets down to his level. She's like, as your newly appointed guardian, can we agree that offing people is not cool? Can we get on the same page with that? She's so, <laughs> like, she's at the end of her robe. She's, like, going so fast. She's like, she's like, can we get it on the same page with that? Please? Can we? And Carl's freaking like, out. Uh, um, yeah, I-, I promise. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. <laughs> and so, like, they're worrying about Carl facing a murder charge. And then in the living room, Liam is utilizing the new living room toilet. But uh, Debbie gets to him in time before he does his business. So Fiona's like, so our official story is that we have rats. So Carl threw rat poison everywhere. Because knowing him, that's not unfeasible. Of course, Carl mm-hmm. threw rat poison everywhere. And then she's like, I'm raising a fucking sociopath. And then the next morning at school, speaking of sociopath. Karen catches up with Mandy and she's fucking psychotic. She purposefully tells Mandy that she came to see Lip the other day, knowing Lip wouldn't have told Mandy about it. Yeah. And she plays all innocent. She's like, I'm super happy for you guys. But like, like, I can't believe he didn't tell you. I will say this is one of Mandy's like best looks. She's got oh, the yeah. she's got the loose lips sink ship shirt and she's got the leather jacket and her her bangs are like pinned to the side. That, and then when she wears that same outfit, but with a different hairstyle, like, an episode from now, 
when like the scene before <laughs> Mickey beats up Ian when they're yeah. talking in the in the hallway. Dude, that look is so good. Mandy's super hot, my guy. Like I True. it's so good. Mm-hmm. But Karen is straight up evil. Like Mandy walks away obviously upset and Karen gets like that evil little smile on her face. You fucking little gremlin. I can't with you. Her hair is like a disaster in this episode too. It's like sticking up everywhere. Well, it's like curly now. She's yeah, like not so straightening frizzy. it all the time. Yeah. But it also just looks like she hasn't brushed it either. Like it's just everywhere. Yeah. I wonder if that's like Laura. I wonder if Laura has like naturally curly hair. I don't remember. But then we go over to Frank getting fed breakfast by his new roomie, Christopher. And Frank asks Christopher, is like, so you're an alcoholic. What was your drink of choice? And Christopher's like, oh, you know, the, the malts. And Frank's like, what? And then he's, the guy says, I would wake up in the morning and I'd drink an entire keg of beer. Frank's like, a keg is 15 gallons of beer. If I don't, if I didn't know better, I think that you uh, aren't an alcoholic. And Christopher's like, okay, listen, I just kind of want a friend. <laughs> like, no, he's like so dramatic. He's like, all right. He was like, I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life. I just don't like the taste. He was like, I just want a friend. <laughs> he begs Frank not to leave and says he'll make prime rib for dinner. Like, he'll do anything to make Frank stay. The opposite of how everyone else in the world treats Frank Gallagher. And then at the courthouse, V says that today is the last day of her mom's ovulation cycle and all she has to do is screw Kev and not enjoy it. And Fiona goes, it's what every daughter wants for her mother. (laughs) And I truly love how Fiona and V, like, they're sitting at the courthouse and Fiona is, like, bouncing with Liam on her lap. And I love how Fiona and V can be having such chaotic shit happening in their lives, but they ride through it together. Like V's mm-hmm. going through some shit, but she's sitting at the courthouse with Fiona. And Fiona is sitting at the courthouse, but she is listening to V's problems going like, no, absolutely. I'm hearing you and I'm processing that. And then Lip and Ian say that Pat- if Patrick doesn't show up to court, it means they get to keep the house. It means he's probably dead and they're all going to go to prison. <laughs> and they get called to go in. And then at the last second, Patrick does show up, but he looks fucking bad. He looks rough. Yeah, Carl's like, guys, and then it's just, like, him walking down the hallway, like, coughing and stumbling. (laughs) His ass is dying. Cut to everyone getting home, and Jimmy asking to see the pictures of the place they found a rent because they lost the house. Patrick, Patrick won in the arbitration, and he gets to keep the house. Meanwhile, Mandy is upstairs, waiting in Lip's room to ask questions about Karen, and she's like, so you met up with her? He's like, yeah. He's like, did you fuck her? He's like, no. And he takes too long to answer, but he says no. And then she tells Lip, if you don't want me around, man up and tell me you have a problem with me being here. So Lip's like, I have a problem with you being here. And he says that they never had the conversation of her being over. And like, I see this from both sides. Yeah, they never had that conversation and Mandy was being a little bit of a lot, but he also could have been nicer and brought it up to her in a gentler way way earlier than this yeah no that's exactly how i feel because like obviously i would understand being like so boxed in with her being around there all the time and like especially not having that conversation but also at the same time she was doing so much for him and especially she was also doing a lot for the household even after like fiona yelled at her and shit like that but like he definitely could have said it in a way kinder way being like listen thanks for being here but this is too much get out instead of being like get the fuck out Yeah, they definitely both could have been, like, way kinder to each other. Like, that whole situation was super fucked. But then Debbie goes into Fiona's room and asks- And Fiona is, like, struck silent and sad, and she's just sitting in her room. 
And Demi's like, so you found a new house? And Fiona's like, yeah. And Fiona apologizes for letting this happen, even though, Fiona, you didn't do anything. And Demi tries to cheer her up. She's like, new house, new school. Change will be good. I was getting sick of this place. And Fiona Mm -hmm. is, like, deeply sad, and they hug. But, like, I miss soft Debbie and Fiona moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just, like, kind of hated each other at the end. I mean, like, I do understand when it's, like, their bond kind of devolved into, like, because everybody was like, Lip is so evil to Fiona. It's like, well, they are siblings. Because it's like, Lip and Fiona never really had that, like, mother-son bond. They always had that, like, a- actual sibling bond. So he would always call her on her shit. The other ones saw her as a mother figure, so they wouldn't, like, really do that that much. Like, her and Carl, especially, um, were so, like, just mother-son bonded. But then Debbie kind of made this weird transition where she was like, oh, this is like my sister now, like not my mom. Yeah. Like, I think that when she got, I think it like, it, well, there was a big difference, like right as Debbie got pregnant. That was like the big shift in like her and Fiona's relationship. Yeah. Cause at first I could see it as being like, um, at first I could see it as being like uh, just teenager hormones, whatever, where you're like rejecting authority. And also she's like trying to find validation in like, and like boys paying attention to her. But mm-hmm. then the pregnancy thing was interesting, especially when Fiona also got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Cause then it was like, oh, now we're beefing as equals. Cause we are mm-hmm. the same. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a lot. So coming home from court, uh, they've just lost the house. The entire House, house full of people is incredibly depressed. Jimmy throws on a suit and asks Nando for a ride to dinner with his med school friends. Because Jimmy is what? An asshole. That's right. Read the room. And then at the ball house, V's mom has brought wine and music. And V's like, um, I, we'd like to keep things way more clinical. But her mom like snaps at her and is like, if you don't want me to do this, I don't have to do this. But if you do want me to do this, then I'm going to put it on my goddamn songs. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate this. It's such a hard, like, conversation to have. Because they're both, like, you both want something out of me. Like, end the end. So meanwhile, Karen is in her room and Lip comes over. He asks if Karen's story about the shitty guy was true because he knows she's manipulative. And then he's like, you just walked in and dropped napalm on my relationship without getting your hands dirty. And she calls Mandy a skank, and he fucking hates her. He hates her so much, and to prove it, he's gonna fuck her. They're gonna have hate sex. I hate him because he's like, take your clothes off. And it was probably the most, like, here's the thing about Lip, that it was probably the most, like, vanilla sex. He thought he was was fucking the shit out of her. It was probably just like, slip, slip. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, is, like especially when um when Tammy when they first meet and they hook up for the first time and then she's like oh I don't want to do that again and he's like why like I thought I was good in bed and she goes no you were too jabby <laughs> jab jab and then she, she calls, calls him jabby. jabby yeah she's like jab 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 <laughs> it's like you know what Lip thinks he's hot shit but I don't know but yeah, Lip goes over, mad about Karen ruining his relationship with Mandy, and he's gonna hate fuck her. And then speaking of shitty decisions, Frank is walking down the street wearing his R-word shirt and gets stopped by a huge dude and his sister, who has Downs, who punches Frank in the balls. He was like, hey, her. you think that's funny? And he was like, oh no, I'm in support of it. And he was like, yeah, well, tell that to my sister. <laughs> and she comes out and just rocks his shit. 
Yeah, like, good for her. And Frank's like, I'ma have it. And then at Kevin V's house, Kev is fucking V's mom to the sounds of Bruno Mars, and she is enjoying it way too much. So V puts a stop it's to my, it. It's like, she's like riding him or something. And no, then he's, like, is he, is she just laying she's down? She's laying down and V's like face comes over the v's side of the head. V's head just like pops up and then she's like, and she stops the music. <laughs> also having sex, Lip and Karen, they get interrupted with Sheila calling from downstairs because Mrs. Wong is over at Sheila's house. Doesn't Karen like not even stop? She's just like, don't care. She's like, keep yeah. going. <laughs> Mrs. Wong says that Sheila can't ever see Jaime again because someone saw Sheila out doing the volunteering thing. And she's like, you're fucking crazy. Stop. You have to stop volunteering with that place or you don't get to see the baby ever again. And Sheila's like, okay, okay, fine. And then Mrs. Wong says, I'll bring Jaime over tomorrow, but I'm going to stay and watch you with him the whole time. Bitch, he lived with her for the first few months of his life. What are we being like this for? Yeah, like, it's like, like, anything's changed within, like, the week that he hasn't been there. Like, it's not like she's changing the entire person. She had that baby for, like, what, five, three, couple months already? Yeah, and that's when Mrs. Wong lets slip that Karen is the one that told her that Sheila's house is no place for a baby. And Sheila's like, what? When did, when did you ever speak to Karen? Doesn't she go, Karen was right. And she was like, uh, excuse me? And Mrs. Wong looks gooped. Mrs. Wong is like, oh, fuck. I fucked up. Mm, I fucked up. Gooped. <laughs> Gooped. <laughs> At the alibi, Frank is ranting about his weird sponsee, and Tommy's like, that setup sounds cool. And Kev's like, yeah, you just gotta make sure that guy isn't a serial killer. And Frank's like, oh, yeah, he, he kills animals for a living, and sometimes he stuffs them. And Kev's like, yeah, that guy's a fucking serial killer. He's gonna kill you and stuff you. Oh my god, I we totally glossed over that one scene, and when Frank first goes to Christopher's house, he's just, like, peeking around, and he sees, like, a dog, and so he kicks it, and it's a d- dead stuffed taxidermy dog, and he goes, uh, you know your dog is dead, right? <laughs> and he goes, taxidermy's actually a hobby of mine. And, like, yeah, so Kev hears that Frank's not-alcoholic sponsee just wants a friend, and for a living kills animals and sometimes stuffs them, and Kev's like, yeah, he's gonna murder you. He's gonna fully, he's gonna Hannibal Lecter style, he's gonna Jeffrey Dahmer fucking murder you. Oh yeah, he says he's gonna Jeffrey Dahmer you, dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jimmy's girlfriend is literally about to be homeless, and Jimmy is out having the time of his life at, at dinner with his med school friends. And Fiona is literally, at this very moment, being evicted from her home. And of course, the person serving the eviction notice is Chicago's only cop. And one of his revolving door of partners standing in the background. Tony. Tony Markovich. Welcome back. Markovich. I always forget that his fucking last name. The lazy ass last name. And then Tony says that Patrick is accusing Fiona of trying to kill him, but he won't press charges if they move out tonight. Tony's like, between you and me, the guy sounds like a fucking asshole. I'm trying to calm him down. Like Tony's trying to help. And then Debbie chimes in. She's like, Uncle Patrick's kicking us out. But Uncle Patrick said he loved me. He gave me candy. Fiona's like, not now, Debbie. Like, shut up. And yeah, even Tony's like, no, yeah, I know. And she's like, he gave me candy. And then he got in bed with me and touched me in my nice places. <laughs> and Tony's and then like, what? Tony and Fiona's faces both just, like, turn at her. Because well, yeah. Fiona knows that she's fucking lying. So she starts, pu- she puts the paper in front of her mouth because she's laughing. And Tony's like, what? 
it's it's just the way she does it it's so funny and then they just like she says the line and then tony just like walks outside he goes he takes the eviction notice right back from fiona and just silently walks right back outside oh yeah tony's like yeah i'm gonna take he's not gonna be taking your house away from you today and he goes outside (laughs) not today (laughs) maybe tomorrow uh but before we get more of that we now see frank in a homeless camp under the l getting found by christopher and christopher begs frank to come back with him and frank's like are you going to murder or stuff me are you going to do weird things to me while i sleep (laughs) and christopher's like what and then he's like what happened to your last sponsor like he moved he moved to florida he moved to florida he thought i was too clingy and frank's like Cling, clingy that's it you're just clingy clingy's a walk in the fucking park if you're not gonna murder me i will go stay at your house what's for dinner <laughs> he's like we'll go to the liquor store you buy me anything i want you pay for it cool then sweet let's setup go. let's go and then at the jackson house karen is wearing lip shirt sneaking downstairs for a midnight snack and sheila is sitting in the dark in the kitchen and catches her after this is really cool. Karen opens the refrigerator door and then that light from the refrigerator door is the only light in this whole scene. And it's just, it just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And Sheila's like, I know you told the Wongs to come and take Jaime. Why, why would you do that? And Karen's like, I, I missed you, mom. And I, I didn't want to be a mom. So I, I had them come and take him. And Karen's like, I love you, but, like, Sheila is, clearly, this was, like, one step too far for Sheila. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so why do they keep, like, every single um scene that Karen's been in, she's, like, eating? It has something to do with food. Like, the first one she gets back, she's like, do you want to eat? And then the whole dinner scene, and then this, she's, like, raiding the fridge in the middle of the night. It's like, what is with Karen and food going on? They just need to occupy her doing something. I yeah. I, yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's like, I don't know. We did have a whole conspiracy about Ian moving his arm. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are crazy, so that would so possibly it's fine. make sense. But Cameron is also method, and he is all, he is equally as crazy as Cameron us. is also method and a freak, so. <laughs> yeah, true. He's like, my brain is so big. Oh my gosh, did you guys see that interview that he did with glitter magazine where he was it was like, really good he was like i love you and mickey i was like this man is working his way back into my good graces <laughs> slowly but surely and he looked fine as hell in that photo shoot he did but yeah like this scene this karen and sheila scene was like heartbreaking and it was like just beautifully well done like i really liked the dark room and the fridge being the only source of light in the room like when you, when they turned it around like over karen's shoulder looking at sheila it was just the fridge light on her and like it just it the mood of that scene like it gave you the mood of that like middle of the night sneaking downstairs everything's mm-hmm. kind of quieter and and like more fragile like that's what that scene felt like and it was really good and Sheila looked fucking broken and then we go to back to Casa Gallagher where Patrick is now getting arrested <laughs> and he he turns to Tony and he's like are you in on this and Tony's like no, I am not, sir. I am, however, going to go in my car and take a very long time to make a radio call while you two have a conversation. <laughs> I love Tony. Because, like, I'd seen from, like, the get-go when Debbie started doing that scheme that Tony wasn't in on it. But there had to have been some unspoken other communication mm-hmm. between him and Fiona, at least. Or he had that third eye when he was like, they're definitely in more of a deeper situation. I'm going to help them. Yeah, or he's just like, why don't you guys talk about if you want to press charges or not? And, like... I because because it is one of those things where it's like even if it really did happen they could totally blackmail him and be like 
Oh, yeah. And be like, well, we're going to pretend this didn't happen and not press charges on you if you give us what we want. Whether it happened yeah. or didn't happen, like, it's it's he said, she said, and they're obviously going to believe Debbie. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, because Tony steps away and Fiona's like, Fiona's like, $400 a month, no deposit. And he's like, fuck you, $1,200 a month. And Debbie's like, you told me it was our little secret. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong She's with like, you? She's like, I remember your hands touching me and he's like and he's like <laughs> and Fiona's like $500 a month no deposit I want a 50 year lease and I want that in writing like get him bitch girl boss that whole thing gets settled and Fiona goes running back into the house happily into Jimmy's arms because they can stay they can stay and Jimmy looks upset about that it's because there's like so much going on around him, them, and he's just like, "Did I do I want to stay?" <laughs> well, because I feel like his idea, or when like from his perspective, she's like, "We got the house back, like we can stay." He's like, "Oh, this is like your house, house, like we can never move away." But it's like she doesn't own the house; they're essentially yeah. renting this house. Yeah. Like, but, like she runs in, she's like, "We got the house back," and then Debbie goes, "And Patrick molested me." Oh yeah, and, Debbie's and he's like, like "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> but back over to the weird house uh christopher and frank are now getting in bed with each other it's so cute they're like they're like brushing their teeth in the bathroom and then they both lay down so they sleep in the same bed like the old sponsor didn't have a room no he didn't and he he didn't have a room he told them about that he was like he was like yeah like when he walked in he was like yeah it's a one room like like one bedroom but like we got this other stuff like that's why he probably thought he was too clingy was because they had to leave in bed together Oh my god. But knowing Frank, sleeping with a man in a bed is not the most out of the ordinary thing for him. Yeah, well, yeah, he's like, I can just sleep next to you. Like, we don't, this doesn't have to be like a thing. It's not a thing. They both put on sleep masks, sleep masks, and they're like, good night. Like, they're perfectly pleasant night. He was like, do you want to, um, a mask? The sun, the moon comes in pretty bright. And he goes, yeah, sure. And then it's like, <laughs> and the lights turn off. Oh my god, he's got the clappers. So I don't, I th- I think it might be the beginning of the next episode, but their little, like, morning montage. Their morning them, like, routine where they're, up. like, where they're, like, and spraying each other with water and stuff. And then they're doing, like, their toothbrush little, like, yes. jousting thing in the kitchen after they ate. That was so Christopher. funny. Uh, so, yeah, Christopher and Frank get into bed, and then it's cut to credits. And then the after credit scene uh, is Carol... V and Kev are on the couch watching TV, and Kev gets a text, and he's like, oh shit, it's Carol. And V's like, it's fucking, it's my mom. And he's like, oh shit, that's not funny, is it? No, I'm sorry, it's Kate. Because she was like, it's one in the morning. He's like, she's calling out for a shift. And V's like, oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to bed. But like, it is Carol texting Isn't she like, you up? (laughs) She was like, call me. She was like, call me or something like that. Uh. And Kev looks like disturbed. And then we cut away and the credit song is Does the Halo Rust by Little Barry. That's the song that plays in the credits. Next week on Shameless, Fiona gets a job at the cup place and we meet Mike. Frank wants to get a domestic partnership rights with Christopher. Lip keeps getting pushed towards colleges and he screams at Mandy about it. Ian finds out Mickey is getting married and Mickey beats Ian up. Meanwhile, Frank becomes a gay icon and oh, hi, Bradley Whitford. Nice to see you. This next episode, Frank the Plumber, is so good. Frank the Plumber is so good. Such a good episode. It's so good. It took me so long to realize the joke of the title, and then I was like, (laughs) I was like, I hate Shameless. (laughs) 
And the next episode, like, some prime, juicy, juicy Ian and Mickey shit in the next episode. Like, oh, fuck me up. Oh, to, we get Cup We get cup World next episode, too. Yep. Oh, yeah. But what did you guys think of this episode? I really liked this episode. I actually rewatched, like, all of these episodes. Like, like I just rewatched season three randomly, like, a week or two ago. So I, like, refreshed on, like, so we could record and everything. But, like, these block of episodes are just so good. Yeah. And, like, this episode is so good. And, like, it doesn't seem like there's too much happening. But it also doesn't seem like there's nothing happening. And it still has, like, that early season feel where, like, even though everyone has their own small stories, there like was they still, still work very, together. There was still very big, like, family plot lines and family scenes throughout the episode. So it, like, made it seem more, like, it was a very up and down episode, which is, like, how I like Shameless episodes. Yeah, it's, like, episodes, like, 305, 6, 7, 8, and 9 mm. are, like, freaking bangers. They're juicy. Yeah. They're so good. And for what? And then, like, I don't remember a lot of what happens in episode 10. It's probably just, like, setting up for episode 11. Mm-hmm. which is really good yeah because mm-hmm. it's all about the wedding basically and then like episode 12 which is obviously like super good yeah but like i really i really liked this, this episode too because like yeah like you said like there it's all of them gathered around like the one big problem with like the little offshoots going throughout and then even that little moment with mickey like it pulled mickey into the main story for a hot minute and reminded us like don't worry we didn't forget about him we're just gonna use him real quick and we'll come back to him later well, the fa- was that his first solo scene he looked bad as hell in it too. So <laughs> he stays winning. I love when he pulled out the gun and the guy's like, 22? Think that's going to stop me? And Mickey's like, why don't we find out? And then the fucking clock of the wife. <laughs> How'd well, you like this episode, uh, Amanda? I like, I really liked it. Like, even even there, though there was that like minimal Mickey in it, like it was an episode that knew what it was doing the entire mm-hmm. time because sometimes these episodes don't know what they're doing. And and like I said, even that little moment of Mickey, but like we remember he exists. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Such a good episode. And through all of the technical glitching and <laughs> that I'm going to blame on Mars um, or Mercury, I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame on Mercury. Mercury in retrograde so true it's really ruining my life this time around usually usually it's fine like usually i'm like oh mercury's in retrograde oh well but this time it really was like i it am is getting screwed <laughs> yeah it's it's moving backwards it is it is give you a car crash mess up your tech while you're recording chip your tooth on some soft food sort of bullshit yeah get, ye- get yelled at at work so we are honestly blessed to even have gotten through this recording. Yeah, this the fact that we even were able to go for an hour. <laughs> if the edit is choppy, I won't be surprised. But I am glad that we got to do this. And I hope that our next one is a little simpler. And I'm, I missed you guys. It was nice to talk to you guys yeah. again. It was nice to talk to you guys. This is always so fun. I always have such a yeah. good time. I always have such a good time. So... Evan, Lena, where can our lovely listeners follow you? You guys can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at I Wanna Die 4000. Then you can follow me on Twitter at Internet Life. Yo, where can they find you, Lena? They can find me on Twitter at Durs Holmvik, as in Anders Holmvik from Workaholics, but the L is an I. And then you can find me on Instagram at Kojak with two Ks. Amanda, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at AbnormalAmanda, on Instagram at AbnormalAmanda18, on TikTok at AbnormalAmanda underscore 18. You can follow the show at LuckWeHadPod on Instagram at LuckWeHadPod on Twitter. You can email us LuckWeHadPod at gmail.com. You can find the link to our websites in the bio of our Twitter and our Instagram. That'll have the link to our Ko-Fi. If you want to buy our stickers, you can DM our Instagram and Evan will send you a sticker. 
And I will send you a sticker and maybe more. We have a Tumblr as well that I primarily run. Um, I got it. I forgot I have to post that we posted our new episode yesterday. That is also luck we had, Pod. We are everywhere, baby. You cannot escape us. We can find so us true. anywhere. Email us, follow us, tweet us. If you want to donate to our Ko-Fi to help us pay for just literally the subscription service that lets us post <laughs> these episodes, that would be great. If you want to read Amanda's dissertation on Mickey Mokovich, the man himself, you can find that on our website, which is in the bios of all of our uh, social medias. True. And until next time, we post every two weeks now. Until next time, let's get the time. motherfuck out of here. Let's leave, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.